Hey everyone, welcome to the Sliving with Sickle Cell podcast. My name is Barbara Biosa and I am a sickle cell warrior, CEO and fashion designer of luxury women's wear clothing brand Dimabai and founder of the Gideon's Treasure Foundation. And I am your host today. From the Queen Paris Hilton, Sliving means slaying and living your best life. We all deserve to do this. I'm here to bring you all the fabulous tales, the struggles and the triumphs of living with sickle cell anemia and running a business with a disability. There has been many highs and many lows, but I think it's important to share your stories and journey. We will be discussing some important topics and inviting some amazing guest speakers to share their experiences and their journey. This podcast is dedicated to help spread awareness of sickle cell anemia, uplift and build a community of ambitious people who may have a physical or emotional challenges that make being an entrepreneur or following your dreams that much harder. Hey everyone, today's episode we have a very special guest, Emmy Award winning producer and sickle cell advocate and warrior, Chris Ruffin Jr. Thank you so much for joining me. How are you doing, Chris? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. Um, please start by telling me a bit about your background and your upbringing, just so we can get a feel of who you are. Yeah. Uh, well, first, I definitely want to say thank you for having me on the podcast. Um, I, I think it's always good to speak up for Sickle Cell, be an advocate for Sickle Cell uh, Warriors. Yeah. Uh, you know, even if you if someone doesn't have the disease, it's always good to have that advocacy. Um, my background is, um, I'm originally from, um, Birmingham, Alabama. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I'm in the States, um, diagnosed with sickle cell, uh, when I was first born Mm -hmm. and pretty much, um, I've been, um, I would say for, I'm 29 now, Mm -hmm. I would say for the past, since I've been born, um, I've only had a couple of uh, sickle cell crisis. Oh, so wow. I've had great doctors yeah. um, who have been able to take care of me. I've um, had great support system for my family. So I think that's that's one of the things that um, I appreciate the most is um, really taking my health serious. Mm-hmm. Um, when I do have a crisis, it's one of those things where we kind of backtrack to see Okay, yeah. what did I what did yeah. I go wrong? Yeah, what what have I been doing that I don't normally do? So, um, that's that's just a little bit about me. That's great, and I love that, and I love hearing that. Like you've had a great support system with your family, and also the doctors, because mm-hmm. healthcare is so important, and it's so different from because yeah. obviously there's people with sickle cell around the world. So it's so interesting to see like um, what it's like in America. And you said so you're from. Right. Alabama so the, the care was good they know uh, Alabama, really well yeah. okay that's really good um mm-hmm. tell me more about that because that's very interesting to see like how the healthcare, like um how y- you are treated with your sickle cell when you go to hospital and some of the things that they've done and helped you with yeah so my uh I would say it started with my hematologist mm-hmm. um when I was uh, she started working with me Oh, when I had my first stroke, uh, well, before I had my first stroke, we were working together. Um, Mm -hmm. I had a stroke when I was five, but she's been, um, yeah, she's been one of like the core people who, Mm -hmm. uh, even now if I call on, she's always down to do anything I need for, uh, I need from her. Um, and so she was my doctor from, I would say the age of 
three until mm-hmm. about 17. Wow. Um, oh, my goodness. Yeah. And even then, she, you know, always asked me how I'm doing. Mm-hmm. She uh, referred me to, uh, we, in the States, we call it um, kind of like you transition from the the kids doctor to the bit doctor. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, so adult she, hospital. she made it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, adult hospital. So she mm-hmm. basically helped me through that whole transition. And even when I moved away from um, mm-hmm. Alabama, um, she was still in my corner always. Mm-hmm. Like if I needed a new hospital, um, with, with the work I do as a news producer, mm-hmm. I'm always moving around. So um, I'm always looking for new doctors in every city yeah. I go. So, uh, she always tells me like, "Hey, this is a good doctor. This is a good doctor. Oh, Make sure good. you go here." Um, so, so yeah. So she she was great, and then I would say um, um, the adult adult doctors that I saw as well. Mm-hmm. Um, all of them kind of run in the same circle, so it's the so same much. type of care, it's the same yeah. type of love, the same type of treatment that you'll receive is just in a different uh, area, uh, yeah. a, a different part of the city rather. So, yeah. so, yeah. Oh, that's really, that's really good. And it's so true because it is a lifelong condition. You do actually have people that have seen you since like mm-hmm. three, like a child to growing up into a teenager and stuff. Yeah. And so funny you mentioned that. Cause I know like it's, I think the children hospitals like pediatrics, I think that's what they call it in the UK. Mm-hmm. And then you go to the other yeah. hospital. And I remember um, when I was younger, how hospital, for, uh, when I when I remember it, when I was like four or five and that kind of age, hospital was kind of exciting. They care <laughs> in yeah. the, pediatric ward was like um you they got you got to like play like playstation and like game board yeah. Games. Yeah, <laughs> and so yeah, it's, you check out the game boys yeah. and, and then like watch disney movies and then the nurse we had like these yeah. things called nursery nurses which they were so friendly and they'll come and play with you like during the day and so it's yeah. so funny when you transition to like the adult hospital for me it kind of changed just like it was such a different it, yeah. change like it was like whoa like they're not nice anymore. None of that. <laughs> they're not like, yeah, yeah, they're not offering if you want to play PlayStation or anything like that. You're just like in hospital there. But it's funny. And it's I think it's good yeah. to have like a continuous like hematology doctor that kind of understands and knows you and knows like what your triggers are, like how how to kind of manage, help you manage yep. your sickle cell, which is so good. Yeah, um, I, I definitely, I, I think uh, one of the things I always remember uh, from my childhood mm-hmm. of going to the hospital is three things. Um, we used to always, there used to always be a game system. Yeah. Um, they would always have free cookies in the kitchen <laughs> that you would go to. That's fun. And anytime, um, anytime you wanted lunch, it mm-hmm. was free. Well, yeah. And so, <laughs> yeah. So like that, that, like you said, it drastically changes when yeah. you go to the, to the adult hospital. So, so yeah. <laughs> and uh, kids have all the fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, please tell me what are some of like the major challenges you faced with sickle cell so far, and how you've been able to overcome them. Um, I think one of the may the major changes is really like I said earlier, just moving around a lot uh, for work, um, having to continuously find good doctors mm-hmm. um i've ran into my fair share of not so good doctors yeah and so like i think you know like we, we talked about being in those uh in alabama that care 
that you that I received there, mm-hmm. it really kind of spoiled me to a sense because I'm always looking for someone to be exactly how they yeah. are. And once you don't find that, you kind of get, you know, sick of the process. But I think overall, though, that's one that's been one of the major challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I think another challenge is me just um, I used to play uh, basketball in, in high school mm-hmm. um, yeah. through middle school. And so um, now I'm kind of like one of those people who I work out religiously. Um, Ooh, not really being good. able to push myself, yeah, not being able to push myself as hard as I want to go. So mm. um, I think that's that's one of the most most serious challenges because if you do push yourself, then you're you're bound to have a crisis. You're bound to get yeah. sick or you know hurt yourself. Yeah, so true. I feel like that's a major challenge because, like, for me personally, mm-hmm. I've never been able to have like a consistent workout plan because like right. it triggers yeah. yeah even like I think the most I can do is like treadmill and like maybe I do a, I walk a lot outside which is kind of hard in London mm-hmm. because it's always cold but like so it's just like mm-hmm. I've not been able to like have like a proper like my sister she's proper into fitness and she she can go ham like six days a week and for me it's sad because like even though I don't really gain a lot of weight so like I've got that kind mm-hmm. of thing of like oh at least I'm not gain at least I'm not you know, I'm, I'm, even though I can't work out, at yeah. least I'm not like thingy, but it still would be nice to have that. And with sickle cell, it's, it's a, it's a huge challenge because I've always felt like whenever I've done mm-hmm. something a bit more vigorous, I've always ended up with a crisis. And so f- for me yeah. in school, I always know, ne- I never did PE. I kind of was like, oh, I have sickle cell. I can't do, um, PE or sports yeah. and stuff. But I understand for you and for a lot of men who like to do kind of like active sports and stuff like that, that can be mm-hmm. a major challenge because it's like you said, basketball. Is that something that you can't do as much anymore because of like the, the triggers or how was that like growing up? Well, yeah, that was, that's just, I think that kind of was one of those things where I just got tired of playing it. Mm. Um, and it kind of just, it ran its own course, but. I would say for the working out is definitely one of the the more challenging things because I try to at least work out five times a week, six yeah. times a week. And, you know, if you have a crisis midway throughout the week, your whole week is shot. Yeah, so you can't. Yeah. That's one of the, yeah. You know, can't do anything. So, yeah. yeah. And people don't understand that. It's like literally when you do have that one crisis, you're literally even if the pain does go in a few days the recovery time mm-hmm. is like another week of yeah. recovery. And, and so it's just, yeah, it's, recovery. yeah, <laughs> it's terrible. Um, please tell us about your um, career as a news producer mm-hmm. and, and an Emmy award winning news producer, which is a very incredible achievement. And so tell me about the journey to get there and how you're able to achieve this. Yeah, I think um, the journey started when I was uh, coming out of college in 2016. Um, And I really just told myself, you know, if I'm going to do this, I want to do it at a high level. Mm -hmm. Um, I wrote down a couple of goals, didn't really Mm -hmm. think about it. And three years later, uh, I got an opportunity to... Uh, produce a a piece. Uh, well, it's not a piece, but more breaking news mm-hmm. um, during during weather coverage. And That's so, true. in a moment, you don't really think about those things. Like, yeah. hey, like this could be something that wins an award. But later on down the line, um, I really thank my coworkers at the time for 
thinking uh thinking about us to uh put that that piece into uh submission mm-hmm. for an award and that's that's really just how it happens it's, it's it's not as glamorous as that as it as it sounds it's <laughs> it's kind of like you pay your money you pay your money uh you if you think your your work is good you pay your money and then they tell you a couple months later if you if you've been selected at the winner um so yeah so i think it was it was pretty good it was, um one of those things where you know i think a lot of times when we have these careers mm-hmm. our families don't really understand until they see the actual work that you put in or the rewards that you've you've uh you've obtained so yeah, i think so that's good. that kind of happened to me and yeah it's, it's it's good to make them proud it's good to make my uh fiance proud uh because she was the one that told me hey you need to uh you need to make sure that you you spend the money to be a part of this because mm-hmm. at the time yeah. i was like yeah uh, it's a lot of money they're asking for. <laughs> and it's kind of just like, you know, this is a once, it's not a once in a lifetime thing, but it's one of those things where like, if you, you, you'd be mad if you, mm-hmm. if they did win and you weren't a part of it. Yeah, so, yeah. That's so good. And I love that. And it's, and it's so true because there's a lot of grinding and hard work that goes behind the scenes. And so those kind of mm-hmm. accolades do help and yeah. make you feel like, okay, it's for something, you know, like there's some sense of recognition right. and like all the effort that I've put in is, you know, creating something amazing and also inspiring people. I think that's the, the amazing part of it. And, um, so would you say that the news industry is something that you've been always kind of been passionate about or? Yeah, I would say so. Um, I think, and, and to go back uh, as early as I can think, um, I, I, when I was in, this was probably middle school, mm-hmm. um, I did a campaign, a sickle cell campaign with a, um, a news anchor one day and mm-hmm. I didn't really think about it at the time but it's kind of yeah. like a full circle moment you know <laughs> That's good. Uh, me doing something with her and then years later I'm in the same industry that that she's in um, mm-hmm. so I, I definitely think it's something I've been passionate about uh, it's definitely something I, I plan to uh, continue to thrive in um, and continue to you know put my best foot forward in yeah, I know. That's great. And do you think your career kind of plays a role in the recovery and your management of your sickle cell? Something that you've always looked forward to? So for me, um, coming from like a personal place, fashion was always kind of like my hope. So even when I was unwell, it kind of the thought of like, oh my God, starting a fashion business or doing something creative always kind of excited me and kind of took me out of a place where I was like, oh, I can't do anything. I'm just going to be this person always unwell. Or I could have this, you know, right. life and this passion and stuff in that sense. Yeah, I think sickle cell is definitely one of those things where it it pushes me uh, to be my best mm-hmm. and to not only be the best in the industry, but I always want to be able to say, you know, like I, I didn't use sickle cell as an excuse mm, to not be good. the the very best that I can be in this industry. And I remember at times like when I was younger and you didn't really think about it, like to get out of class, you would say, Oh, I have to use the bathroom. Yeah. Like just to get out of class, <laughs> just use it as an excuse. But I think later on down the line as an adult, you don't really want to people to feel sorry for you. You don't want yeah. people to say, Hey, like, can you not do this because of your condition? And I think for me it's it's one of those things in my career, um, 
it's not about proving a lot of people wrong. It's about proving myself right each yeah. and every day that I can get up and, you know, do what I do what I say I love to do. Oh, no, I love that. And it's so powerful and it's so true. And um, I think that's also a big motivation because sometimes it can be two <clears> ways. <throat> like with family and friends who know your condition, they might be again, oh, you don't have to do this or like kind of like not baby right. you, but in a sense not like expecting you know, certain levels of like career goals or hitting certain things because of your condition. And then on the other hand, you have like people who don't know you, don't know you have a condition and they're never going to see you that way because it is an invisible illness. So it's that sense of like balance in it. Like some people are going to treat you like you're everybody else and not going to have that sympathy. And then other people are going to be like Mm -hmm. too kind of. So I think, yeah, it's definitely a balance with sickle cell and kind of just seeing like I can do everything else that anyone else can do. And I think that's very right. important as well. Um, so yeah. you recently launched a book called Succeeding with Sickle Cell, which sounds very incredible and amazing. So mm-hmm. please um, share with us what inspired you to create this and how it all started. Yeah. So going back to that same doctor I told you about um, from when I was just three years old, um, she would always tell me like, hey, I need you to talk to this kid. He's Mm -hmm. having a hard time in college. Uh, This kid is about to get ready to get a port placed in them. Uh, Can you talk Mm -hmm. to them to tell them why it's a good thing? Uh, This kid may be uh, not in the best condition. Can you just Mm -hmm. give him a, uh, or give her a, uh, a, a word of inspiration really quick? So I think that kind of launched um, launch, launched my idea into having into doing a book. Um, mm-hmm. I'm really, I really just started getting like kind of, um, I would say people would ask like the same things, and so my um, for a while, my fiance and I, uh, she would always ask me like, "Hey, why aren't you telling your story? Like, why aren't mm-hmm. you?" Um, let people know, you know, about your sickle cell condition. Yeah. And it's, it's never really, it's one of those things where like, you never really want to tell anybody cause you don't want, like we said, want anybody to feel bad for you. Yeah. And so that's just kind of how my whole mindset had been for a mm-hmm. long time. And then, um, I think I really just, just sat down one day and I was like, all right, I'm just going to do this book. Um, uh, see how it goes. And, uh, I, I always think I have like a, entrepreneur spirit mm-hmm. um and so it's kind of like one of those things to kind of like i said earlier uh prove prove myself right into what i could do um mm-hmm. so yeah that 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 launched the book and then we kind of um it was it was kind of easy to put it together so i was kind of like all right like i can see myself doing this again i don't mm-hmm. know when but definitely could see myself doing another book at some point yeah, no, that's incredible. And I'm definitely looking forward to reading it and finding out more because I think mm-hmm. when we connected, I loved like that aspect of like succeeding with sickle cell yeah. and and like um mm-hmm. and just going above and beyond and not allowing like a health condition to dictate what you can do in your life. And I think that's very inspiring. Right. Yeah, yeah, for a lot of people. Yeah, and, and that was kind of like the 
I was gonna say that was kind of like the the purpose of it. Like, it isn't just sickle cell, but it's succeeding with lupus. It's succeeding mm-hmm. with diabetes. It's succeeding yeah. with whatever type of disease you have, and not letting it play a role in what you accomplish on the everyday life. Yes, definitely. And um, so, within your kind of upbringing and everything, how do you, have you met a lot of people who mm-hmm. have sickle cell? Are you part of a support group, or was it kind of just something that you never mm-hmm. really, you never really met a lot of people, and you never really shared before this point? Yeah, I would say before uh, growing up, I didn't know a lot of people with sickle cell. Yeah. I think a lot of people probably had like the trait. Mm, um yeah. or you know they had a friend or a cousin that had sickle cell but i didn't meet i didn't meet a lot of people with sickle cell yeah. until uh after after college mm-hmm. and so that's kind of like the like like i said earlier the stigma of me not wanting to bring it up to anybody because yeah. it's kind of like one of those things like who cares you know so um once i once i started talking more about sickle cell that's when i started meeting more people in the community yeah and then you find and social media is so helpful for that because you can find people around the world Mm -hmm. um who are suffering from that and the same thing and I've spoken to quite a few people with sickle cell and it's always the same like we never really knew any other people when we were younger unless it was like a relative or something and then like Mm -hmm. we didn't really get into it after when we kind of and I think that may also be part of the reason why there was there's not that much awareness I guess I don't know because I always ask right. this question with people because it's very strange that there's a lot of people around the world and yet it's still like there's a huge lack of visibility and like nobody likes to talk yeah. about it and then it's it's also like there's so many support groups and stuff that you find on um on social media and then it's only uh-huh. people yeah with sickle cell who are kind of advocating and then it's just like okay mm-hmm. <laughs> where's the rest of the people helping <laughs> and it's it's very hard so yeah what would you why do you think from your point of view there is a lack of visibility um for this and like I, yeah i would say i think it's just because it's one of those diseases where you don't see you don't you can't tell if anybody has sickle cell you know mm, yeah. so if you can't tell if anybody has sickle cell then it's kind of like oh what's that or i didn't know you had that so i think that's that's one of the main reasons on um, why and i think also it's just because it isn't talked about as much in school um yeah. i think when you go back to science class um, I never heard anything about sickle cell in my science classes. I don't know. Yeah, they never uh, talked how they about. Are in the, in, in, yeah, they how were, they are where you are uh, in the UK, but I don't think it's it's one of those things where they're uh, talking about it. And even when I talk to uh, some nurses, mm-hmm. um, it's not one of those things that they're preparing nurses for either when they go to uh, med- medical school. Mm-hmm. I know that's terrible for the in school I never really had a class or anything about it there was one kind of science book which Mm -hmm. I've spoken about before which it had like the statistics Mm -hmm. but again there wasn't a really Mm -hmm. kind of a lesson or kind of like a a workshop or anything about that which again like is is so true in the point that nobody how is anyone going to know about it if even schools are not Um, And that's such a good point, actually, if schools are not even um, talking about it as part of because we grow up and we know, yeah, we know so many things off by head, like 
diabetes or asthma or other conditions that is like just second nature even if we haven't met someone with it or usually there are quite a lot of people but um yeah with this is zero visibility with that and then um with the nurses as well it's true like I think because we're so used to having like a hematology specialist and having that team to help us when Mm -hmm. we're in hospital. But what you, what we don't realize and like if, well, I always get driven to hospital, like so whether a family member or something, but like um, I know like sometimes in A&E, one time I had an issue um, and it wasn't even really related to sickle cell, but it was like, I think it was just heartburn, but it got, it got out of hand. So I called and I was in like a shop. So my, um, intern had called the ambulance because she was scared like I was vomiting and like I was just awful but the sad thing is it's like when they came and I tried to explain oh I have single cell the ambulance lady had no idea what it is like she was so when I told her that my hemoglobin level was really kind of low she was kind of shocked like what do you mean she I think she actually said something like what are they doing about it and I was like oh this is normal with (laughs) sickle cell but that's sad because it's like not even the ambulance people trained like you said like nurses and stuff like that they're not even trained knowing what sickle cell is which is a huge problem it's not even I've only been to like one hospital um where sickle cell patients have been like prioritized like as soon as you say uh, you have sickle cell. They're supposed to change how they're treating you. They're supposed mm, to change yeah. the urgency, you know. And for I've been to numerous hospitals for there to only be one like that. It yeah. says a, a lot about how how much uh, people um, don't really uh, prioritize the disease. Yeah, which is terrible. Um, and in America, is there a kind of a protocol for like medications and stuff? Or do you kind of have, because I remember I studied in New York um, for one year. Mm-hmm. And I remember when mm-hmm. I went to the hospital, there was a specific drug that I always take um, in the UK. And it's called diamorphine. I'm not sure if you're familiar with this. And I remember no, going, yeah, I remember going to the hospital in New York. And when I asked um, for it, they were kind of in shock and like, what are you because it's actually kind of uh, it's heroin so but it's in a medication form so yeah. it's not like but like the shock on their face mm. kind of like why is she asking for this but it was kind of it's protocol in the UK like this is what they give because you know after morphine it's not really strong so um what are you what are you using for like pain meds in America because that really shocked me and I kind of felt bad um, for asking about it <laughs> yeah no um we're using uh what is it called? Uh, we use morphine. Mm-hmm. Uh, we use this um, this pill called Dilaudid. Um, I just started hearing about that probably last year. Oh, okay. Um, and then I want to say those are two like the main things, and of course like ibupro- ibuprofen. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, which you yeah so. Those are like the two main pills that I, I know I've used for pain. Oh, wow. That's so different. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think is a way for us to kind of change the lack of visibility with sickle cell? Because I know we're also making our own kind of efforts as well. But what do you think would help like in a, mm-hmm. in a global way? I think it's just, it's really just making sure we 
everybody in our contact list or everybody in our roller desk knows what Supercell is. I think that's, it's kind of a, it has to be a word of mouth yeah. uh, effort. You know, um, you can't let somebody go without knowing you, you have sickle cell or go yeah. without knowing that you're a sickle cell advocate for somebody. So I think that that's the the main thing that has to change. And I think another thing, which I've seen a couple of people do this, um, is, is really getting it, uh, sickle cell on, changed on the legislative, um, mm-hmm, yeah. um, aspect. So, you know, going to the white house, going to, mm-hmm, you know, yeah. your city council, and seeing how we can make sure that sickle cell is prioritized, not only in, uh, you know, not only in hospitals, but anywhere you go. If somebody says they have sickle cell, you should start keeping a close eye, a close yeah. eye on them, you know? Yeah. And definitely. And, and, and also, I think I agree with the school thing. I think I never thought of it that way, as mm-hmm. in like what you said about the science class, but that would actually make a huge mm-hmm. impact because... If you're aware of it from children, like as a child, like, oh, yeah, Mm -hmm. and you meet someone, you're like, oh, yeah, we had like a little workshop or something in school that, um, and then you kind of have that, like, yeah, I think that's what's lacking. It's that sense of like never kind of, there's so many people you meet and they've never actually heard of it before. And they're kind of like, so you're you're basically teaching somebody something new. And then what you said about like, not really wanting to speak about it because, and you made a really um, strong point about like, oh, why would they care? And it and it's it sounds right. really it's it's really sad in a sense that oh, like they should care, but at the same time you have to think about it. it's like oh, like you know why they don't they don't really know they don't have it. And do you think that's what the issue is? They don't yeah. have it. They don't because um, obviously your family and friends are going to care because they know you and they care about you. But when it's like just complete strangers, right. that sense of like, oh, like why yeah, would no they sense, care about no, this? They're not impacted. Yeah. yeah, they're not impacted by it. And I think that's the that's the main thing. Um, you have to you have to ask them. Why do they? Why would they care? And who is it? Who is it impacting in their life? If it's not impacting anybody in their life, then especially not themselves, I don't think it's it's one of those things where you know they're gonna go out their way to make sure make sure that they're learning about it. And that's yeah, and that's really sad because there's so many other. I think I spoke with another warrior, and she kind of said like, "Oh, you know, like cancer research, like people go out of there, like they they do the runs and stuff, yeah. and like." you might not even have a family member or anything, but there's that level of like thing where it's like, Oh my God, I'm going to rally around and do this. And I don't know if it's like just a trend and, you know, like we live in a world where people just love to jump on like (laughs) what everyone else is doing. It definitely is. (laughs) (laughs) Part of it is though. And that's the, I think that's the main thing is like, it's like I said, like um, I have a, I have an aunt, who uh, she of course she knows I have sickle cell, but mm-hmm. yeah, uh, she does a, a a sickle cell walk each and every year. Oh, that's amazing! Uh, she like doesn't doesn't miss miss a walk, and she's brought friends with her. She's brought her sisters, oh, and good. you know, it's just one of those things where she she doesn't have to do it, but you know, she know she has somebody that's impacted by it, so she goes out yeah. of her way to make sure that she's she's doing it. Oh, I love that. That's amazing. And I guess, yeah, it's true. I think 
one step at a time. I think we're definitely on a on a road for change and right. awareness and yeah. and especially now like we're able to connect from around the world. So I think that's incredible. Right. Um yeah, so please let me know what exciting projects you're currently working on. Uh exciting projects. I'm really <laughs> I think um I'm not I'm not really working on anything right now. Um, I do plan once, um, once my fiance and I are married, I may get back to, uh, writing, uh, a sickle cell, another sickle cell book. Mm -hmm. Um, I have some things that, um, as far as like, um, I think I have something in the works as far as like ABCs of sickle cell. Mm-hmm. Um, that I kind of just came up with one day, um, just just thinking and not having anything to do. So that may be something that could go out at some point. But I mean, right now is just you know just learning more about the disease, mm-hmm. learning how I can help myself and help others, yeah. and really just trying to prioritize prioritize my health. You know, mm-hmm. um, I think that's the main thing. I'm the, the the main thing I'm working on right now. <laughs> I know, and that's so important. Um, what kind of yeah. tips would you give? Because I know you, um, you kind of mentioned that you don't have as many crises and you kind of have gotten to a place mm. where you kind of, um, I call it listen to your body, where it's like you're kind of like you understand yeah. what your triggers are and what kind of, yeah, what like yep. when not to go out, when to take it easy and stuff like that. What kind of advice would you give for other warriors who are maybe find, like haven't found what their triggers are or kind of constantly in hospital or what are the things that you use to kind of manage your sickle cell yeah i would say it really just starts with listening to your body that's Mm -hmm. the main that's that's literally the foundation um i've been over the last i would say last year Mm -hmm. or two um i've really been serious about what i consume as Mm -hmm. far as when it comes to food when it comes to um, what I'm watching and because I think all of that has a plays a part in your sickle cell, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, your body may get too, you know, your body, you can't, you can tell your body what to do, but if your body knows something is is scary, it may tense up a little bit. And each, I think each and everything that we do, plays a part in, in our health. And so mm-hmm. um, that's the main thing that I've been doing, watching what I eat, mm-hmm. um, you know, making sure that I'm, I'm, I'm terrible at, at, at really going to sleep and staying, staying asleep. Uh, uh, I like yeah. to wake up early in the morning, but if I can get a nap in at some point, I'll try mm, to do that. That's good. Um, and really just focusing on uh, making sure I have people around me that understand what, what what I can and cannot do, um, you know. So I yeah. think that's that would be my tips. Um, and really, I, I just I think prioritizing uh, prioritizing your health and making sure that you're doing something that gets you outside, gets you moving around, mm-hmm. um, is is probably the best thing that you can do as well. Oh no, that's great. I think those are incredible tips and very useful. Um, and thank you for sharing. Um, and then one last question, which I think is, um, Mm-hmm. really interesting and important because I know you mentioned um you have a fiance um what was mm-hmm. some of like you know finding someone that kind of understands what you're going through and stuff like that what was that kind of like I think one of the main 
things, um, it just goes back to awareness. Uh, she already had a, a, uh, family member mm-hmm. who had sickle cell. So she kind of knew from that standpoint, what I was, what I was okay. dealing with. Um, but I think mm-hmm. those conversations, uh, people always ask me like, you know, how did you all, um, talk about you having sickle cell? How's that going to impact you all having kids? And I think that those conversations mm-hmm. start early on. Um, not too early on to where it scares, yeah, it scares them away. Uh, but I think it's, <laughs> yeah, not the first, definitely not the first date. Um, you can mention, I mean, you can mention you have sickle cell on the first date, but I think as far as talking about kids and things like that, that should probably wait. But I think those are the conversations that, uh, mm-hmm. that's one of the conversations that needs, needs to be early on just before you get too, too deep into it. Um, and there's no, no turning back, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, definitely. And that's good that you, she already mm-hmm. had that kind of mm-hmm. like a little bit of knowledge, um, of it to kind of help as well. So, um, unless you just be like, read my book. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's why it's useful. <laughs> um, but no, it's been incredible. Thank you so much you. for sharing and mm-hmm. being so open. And, and I've thoroughly enjoyed like getting to know you more and um, just everything that you're doing. Definitely going to get the book and excited to um, hear more about your new book coming. And then yeah. congratulations on your engagement do you have a wedding date yet or yeah uh we're getting married in october Ooh, oh nice so, yeah, oh that's lovely <laughs> yeah yeah so she's gonna be preparing everything and like running around getting a dress <laughs> i know that's great um but thank you so much so please um could you share with you all your social media yeah. platforms where we can get your book and yeah anything that you would love to share with us yeah so i'm chris ruffin jr on mm-hmm. every every social media platform um you mm-hmm. can get the book um if you just go on one of my pages, uh, there are, there is a link on how you can get the book there. Uh, Instagram is probably the easiest uh, mm-hmm. to find a book, um, and then if you can't, then it's it's uh, succeedingwithsilkcell dot com, um, mm-hmm. and you can just go in there and grab the book. It's only five ninety nine, oh, okay. uh, twenty pages, and you'll be you'll know a lot about sickle cell uh, and, and the 30 minutes that it takes you to read the book um so yeah wow it's okay i'm excited i'm gonna go on the Uh, website and get it (laughs) no amazing oh but thank you so much and Mm -hmm. i'm excited to see all the incredible things you're going to continue to do thank you so much i appreciate you for having me on and inviting me yeah definitely it's been a pleasure this podcast is sponsored by dumabai exotic couture women's wear clothing brand for the goddess in all women if you're interested in a -a one-of-a-kind piece handmade to perfection in london then go over to our exclusive website at www.dumabaifashion.com there you will find some unique incredible pieces 20% of all proceeds go to the Gideon's Treasure Foundation and all our initiatives, including this podcast and also free creative workshops for people living with sickle cell and other chronic illnesses. 
I hope you enjoyed today's episode and I hope you will continue this journey with me. We will be discussing a lot of important topics and we'll have some incredible guest speakers joining to share their experiences. Please subscribe and like our Instagram pages, Atelier underscore Zimbabwe and Gideon's underscore Treasure. Feel free to leave a comment, ask a question. And if you would like to be a guest speaker and share your story, please send me an email. Details in the episode description. Love you and God bless. Mwah.